Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And like I was telling the people in the three-minute warm-up, this is a tough day. It's been a tough week. Uh, And I'm going to try to hold it together. But I want to dedicate this first segment, and we'll get into the rest of the rhythm of the show including the market update. But I've been dreading this moment um, for a week now, almost a week. Um, because I knew that this would be a moment where it became real, for lack of a better term. And uh, I just want to dedicate this. I may have already said that. You guys will have to forgive me. This is... I'm a kind of guy that goes into these things without, with, with just a loose outline, with just bullet points. Um, because if I get too specific, I won't stick to it, as weird as it sounds. <clears throat> Talking about him has been one of the toughest things I've, I think I've ever done on radio. I recorded a spot for him. We dedicated a 60-second, uh, one of our 60-second advertising spots to him. And I think it took me like 15 takes. <laughs> um, but I just want to take a few minutes to address what an impactful, amazing person that Dory Monson was and the impact he had on my life. Um, five years ago, I believe, is when I first met Dory. It was shortly after getting involved in radio, about five and a half years ago. <clears throat> and my, the guy who got me into radio, my, Jerry, my, my, uh, my media buyer who's become like a brother, a very good friend, my good, my good friend Jerry Nash, Um, he kept telling me he wanted me to talk to Dory because he thought it would be a good partnership. But he also had told me that Dory um, had talked to three or four other financial firms and had passed on, uh, on partnering with them. And I knew a few of the other firms that he had passed on and they were good people with good reputations and uh, they were significantly bigger and more established than we were. And so I kind of had this feeling of, What's the point, right? Um, and then I had the chance to meet him at a event that we were both involved in. And uh, we just kind of hit it off. And he came up to me after the event. We were talking. He said, hey, I'd like to talk to you about some things. And I've told this story to a lot of clients. I looked at him and the first thought that went through my mind was, about what? Did I do something wrong? And he said, no, about what you were talking about up on the stage. I'd like to talk to you. So I kind of was befuddled and I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm sure we can figure out a way to squeeze you in, right? <clears throat> and uh, that led to meeting him uh, once for dinner at a restaurant and then once back at his house. And I remember we'd planned to meet, uh, I think I got to his house about 6, 6.30ish and planned to meet for an hour. I don't think I left till 11.30, Um <laughs> Which led to another meeting at his house, if memory serves, about a month, month and a half later. Same thing. Got there about 6.30ish, I want to say. Didn't leave till after 11. Might have been pressing 12. And um, it ended up creating an incredibly impactful relationship because despite the fact that he had turned down other firms, he took a chance on, at that time, a 35-year-old guy just starting out. We had just launched Bulwark. Um, we have an unconventional way of doing things. We have an outside the box view of things and we weren't even close to the safest bet. And if you understood and people are like, well, yeah, but he did it cause he got paid the amount of money that Dory got paid in our partnership agreement was minuscule. It, it was not an impactful amount of money at all to him on an annual or monthly basis. And he explained to me, that this is why he'd been so choosy. He goes, Zach, the money I get from these is not a motivator. And I know the numbers, right? It was in the contract. And I was like, well, obviously. 
And he goes, what I'm looking at, he goes, is one form of my retirement is my word. And he goes, it's only as good as, you know, my credibility is only as good as my word. And so who I choose to partner with is in a lot of ways, sort of like my retirement account, right? Like those are relationships that I'm going to have to live with. And they're going to be based on how those relationships perform based on how those people that I have no control over perform. It greatly impacts my word, my credibility, which I've spent decades building. And it wasn't about lining himself up with the greatest opportunities after work, right? There were firms that could have offered him much more. And he took a shot on us. And um, I think that we were managing, you know, 60, 70 million at the time. Now we're at over 650. Um, I can tell you that the vast majority of that has been based on his recommendation and his willingness to stand behind us and lend his word for virtually no money. It, it was all risk, virtually no upside for him. And he liked me. He liked us. He liked our approach and he believed in our approach. And that was why he chose it. He could have made more money with other firms, could have done more things. Um, and it's just everybody talks about that, right? People, you hear aspirational talks about wanting to be somebody like that. I like to think that I am, but it's just so often, it's so rare that you run into it where truly you sit there and then, all, and then, and then if you're the recipient, I mean, how many of us have been in those situations where you're sitting there looking and going, I know that I'm the better person, not, not like as in a person, but you know what I mean? I, I know I'm the better pick. I believe in what we do. I know that it's better than those guys. But at the same time, I don't have as much to offer immediately. And I can see how I'm perceived as more risk. And I just know I'm not going to get picked. Right. Um, And then every once in a while, you run into somebody who, who thinks about it differently, who goes after it differently. And when I got that call from Jerry, who I mentioned earlier and said he'd love to partner with you. And Dory had intimated that too you know, in, in our conversations, but it was such a boost. Um, starting a business is so hard. I, I have a hard time. I get people asking me all the time. Is it great running your own business? I've thought about going on my own. Um, what do you think? Like, what would your advice be? Do you think it's a good idea? And most people are shocked by my response because my response is, you know what? I don't really know that I'm qualified to answer that question. And they go, why? And I go, because there's so many other variables. Um, people talk about the variables you can control, right? You got to work harder than everybody. You got to, what nobody ever tells you is that there's a lot of people that do all those things and still fail. And you can call it luck. You can call it destiny. I don't know what it is, but what I'm saying is that if we're humble human beings and realistic human beings, we'll sit back and go, Hey, there was so much more involved in that success or that win than just my input. And Dory Monson for me is a perfect example of that, which was we were climbing uphill at that time. Uh, it's hard, you know, to make, to make a business work, at least in my experience, you risk everything and you still, the, just the risk alone isn't enough. Every single day is an uphill slog. And you get used to it after a while. The good news is the muscle memory builds up and you get calloused and you learn how to, I was just explaining this to a young, young cousin of mine who's kind of at a pivotal moment in her life. And I was talking to her about the movie Batman. There's a scene in there where Bane talks about how he was born in the darkness. And I, I equated that to, to what She's, you know, getting her life on track and starting her career and all that kind of stuff. And I equated to that and I was just like, look, listen, hard doesn't mean wrong. Hard means progress. You need to marry yourself to the hard, right? You need to be at one with it. It needs to become who you are and what you're used to. And then all of the sudden, these angels cross your path like Dory Monson that give you a lift and a tailwind out of nowhere. 
and it makes all the difference in the world. A, it lifts your it lifts your spirits. I can't. I, I still remember when I came home from that second time at his house, and he basically told me he wanted to move forward. And I'm driving home and called my wife, and I just said he wants to partner with us. He's gonna. He's gonna. He's going to sponsor us. He's going to stand behind us. And I think we both cried. Um, and, uh, and then on top of that, just what a, what a wonderful friend. Um, I remember he called me when he was going through his deal, when he got suspended for retweeting lines of legislation that had him called out as being a bigot. And, uh, when I first found the news, you know, when somebody does something that for you, it's, I got a lot of praise for it, but I, I really want to be, I want to be accurate with this. When somebody does something like that for you and then they get in a tough spot, what I equate it to is if you see your buddy getting beat up across the playground, you don't stop to ask questions. You just run in there throwing haymakers. And he called me after we pulled our advertisement because it was instant for me. And um, I was shocked to see the phone ringing just because I knew he had a lot. I knew what he was dealing with, right? Um, he was fighting fires on all fronts. And really, and, and, and fighting for his name, really. Fighting for his integrity. And uh, he called me and I'm like, what's going on? And he goes, what do you mean what's going on? Thank you. And I go, thank you for what? And he goes, just pulling your advertising like that. I, I just, I'm, I'm shocked and humbled that you do that. And I was, I was shocked. And I said to him, Dory, it's the least I can do, man. And I go, you know, you may not notice this. You may not known this, but you know, you made a friend and ally for life, man. You took, you took a chance on me when very few would, and I'm not going to forget that. And I tell that story not to extol myself or my role in it, but I tell that story to illuminate he was still that humble. He would still take that time to call me and say, thank you. And you're sitting there looking at him going, are you kidding me? Like, what, what did you think I was going to do? So I just, and I, and I understand for you listeners and people, you know, that do feel endeared and hopefully everybody, like I said, I just, whatever you think of Dory, just amplify it by two times. Okay, if you don't think much of him, try to try to twist that to positive just because whatever reason you don't think much of him, it's based on the fact you don't know him or you didn't know him. You didn't have the privilege. The man was so good, so fair, so focused on his girls and his wife, so focused on helping this area. We never talked about money. It just it wasn't a focus. It was all about doing the right things. That's another thing we hit it off with. And it's probably another reason why he, he had such a strong connection and friendship with one of the other incredible men in my life, my college football coach, Frosty Westering. So I could sit around here and talk about Dory and the impact he's had on me for a long time. Um, he will be missed. And I will never personally forget um, the help and assistance that you gave me and my and my family and the altruistic and honest and kind way you went around your business and all the people that you helped along the way, including people that weren't grateful for it, including people that turned around and stabbed you in your back. It didn't stop you from continuing to give. And... um you're one of the great ones, man, and and I hope that there are as many people that say that I was impactful on their lives when my time here is done as there are people saying that about you. And to what Suzanne and the girls, everybody's, you know, and I think it's a good thing. Everybody says nice things about people when they pass, but your dad was different. Um your husband was different. He was what he said he was in a world that's so full of fake it till you make it and social media life. And um, just knowing your, your, fa your father and your husband is man to a man. He was the real article. And um, he's a guy that's inspired me and helped me 
when it didn't serve him in any way to do that. If anything, I was a risk um, and then became a good friend along the way. Um, I, I will miss you. I know there are a lot of people that are going to miss you. And I almost feel like I should do a section on you every week. Um, just so lucky to have known you, love you, and um, Godspeed. And, you know, thankfully, I'm sure you and I will get another chance to have, a, <clears throat> to have one of those discussions. Again, God bless your family. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. Hi, this is Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer of Bulwark Capital Management. And someone who's lucky enough to call myself a good friend of Dory Monson. Um, I've tried to do this about 12 times now. And uh, I'd just like to make this message mostly to his dedicated listeners and his family. As good as you thought he was, he was better. As patient and loyal as you probably thought he was, he was more. He is one of the very few people in my life who have had such an outsized impact over such a relatively short period of time and who chose to believe in me uh, and what I was doing. And that belief has made such an impact, not just on me and my business, but also the lives of my employees and my family. I cannot tell you how much you'll be missed. I cannot thank you enough for your faith and loyalty. Godspeed on your future endeavors, my friend, and you will be missed. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of the most the most scintillating hours in finance. And uh, forgive me as I continue to compose myself a little bit here. On to let's go to the market update. So, guys, not a lot, right? Um, I think that, that, that the wash is what I'm referring to it. It continues the chop. Um, <clears throat> and in my opinion, I think we still see a lot of evidence. Again, my opinion of this market flying blind. And what do I mean by that? Um, what I mean by that is that again, in our opinion, now we'll know here in the next probably two quarters, certainly by the end of this year, who's right. Um, I thought Costco earnings were very interesting last night because they came out and announced, um, quite honestly, a better quarter than I would have anticipated, but not much better. Um, Like I've been telling you all along, our thesis going into the year was that things were going to remain at least the the appearance of strong um, until the summer was over and then we thought things would start falling off pretty precipitously in the third and fourth quarter. Um, and by precipitously, we didn't think that the big fall off was going to happen in the first or second quarter of this year, so we'll know within six months whether that's correct. But that's been the trajectory of things, meaning the data, right? People are like, what do you mean, Zach? Things are falling off. Inflation's pulling back. Well, guys, this is what I'm saying about, in my opinion, the market being confused. Inflation is pulling back. Because the economy is slowing. Okay. Now people are going to start keep pointing to the jobs markets. But I just think they're, we've talked about this before. They're always the last metric to roll over. And then also I just think there is so much noise in the job sector. One of those is the gig economy. Right. So many of the young people that would typically fill the jobs in the economy that can't get filled. Right. Think of checkers. Uh, think of people working at fast food restaurants. So many of those kids and so many of those young people have transitioned to the gig economy, right? Driving for Uber, driving for Uber Eats, dropping for, driving for or for uh, DoorDash, uh, Lyft, a combination of all of those. And I think that that is really creating 
what we see as I, I think that that is adding to this whole idea of labor tightness where I don't think it's as tight as people think it was, think it is. The other thing that I think is that to look at that, we need to look at the economy and we don't have it. I've been talking to my analysts about this, of trying to look at things where we can examine the gig economy and look at the crossovers there. Because that's where I think that you'll see it. I'm really interested in looking at that data, and I've turned our analyst onto that this morning, and he probably won't have it ready for next week. But what I want to see is I think the first sign of jobs weakening is actually going to come from employment data we see from the gig economy. Where at first, as things slow down, you typically see those lower-level workers starting to get fired up. You're, you're not going to, you know, at the, at the, at the store, right at the retailers, at the stores, you know, at the fast food restaurants, that'd be kind of your first wave, right? That stuff starts slowing down. You start laying some people off because of so many of those jobs migrating over to the gig economy. My feeling is now, again, we haven't done the work. We got to check it. We don't want to, we don't want to invest on half cocked and half cooked ideas. But my first thought is, is we need to be looking at the gig economy. That should tell us the story. Because if you think about it, think about an Uber driver, right? What I would expect to see as the economy slows down is people less willing to take an Uber order Uber Eats to save that fee. People tipping less when they do, right? I, that impact that you, you, what's one of the first things people do to tighten their belts? They quit going out as much. Quit buying as much coffee. Well, I think you're because those because of the gig economy has taken so many of those jobs. I think those jobs at stores, at restaurants, are going to remain tighter than they normally do. And my feeling is, and we'll see. I'll, I'll let you know the data next week. Either way, but my feeling is is that we need to be looking at the gig economy to see that beginning of weakness, right? And I think that's the tell. So, but when you look at you know. You look at a rally like today, oh, it's signs of inflation easing. Guys, signs of inflation easing means things are slowing down. Okay, now there's some, there's some supply chain things that are getting fixed, but it's not a good sign. And, and what, this is why I say the market is still <clears throat> flying blind, is this is the type of thinking that we'd had over the last 15 years. That bad news meant the Fed was not going to get off 0% and stocks basically can't go down when interest rates are at zero and they're running quantitative easing. So bad news was good news. Remember how that worked for so many years, right? Bad news was good news. Why? Because it means the Fed isn't going to raise rates. Well, they've already raised rates. And the deceleration of the economy is not going to cause them to flip. Right. So I don't want to get too much into that because we're going to dive into that more extensively in the next uh, episode. But we got to take a quick break. We're up against time. Anyway, if you don't have a risk management strategy, give us a call. 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. If you don't want to call us, you can always email in. We can do email correspondence. But there's a better way, guys. Take the the three minutes it takes to call us and educate yourselves. Educate yourselves on how we're lowering fees, improving performance, improving upside, and drastically lowering risk. It's going to be worth your time. Anyway, we'll be right back. Stick with us through the break. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hi, this is Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer of Bulwark Capital Management and someone who's lucky enough to call myself a good friend of Dory Monson. Um, I've tried to do this about 12 times now and uh, I'd just like to make this message mostly to his dedicated listeners and his family. As good as you thought he was, he was better. As patient and loyal as you probably thought he was, he was more. He is one of the very few people in my life who have had such an outsized impact over such a relatively short period of time and who chose to believe in me uh, and what I was doing. And that belief has made such an impact, not just on me and my business, but also the lives of my employees and my family. 
I cannot tell you how much you'll be missed. I cannot thank you enough for your faith and loyalty. Godspeed on your future endeavors, my friend, and you will be missed. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for being with us and sticking with us. Costco, getting back to Costco, overall, like I said, stronger quarter than I would have expected. I'd have seen a little bit more of a pullback. What I thought was interesting is it was mixed data, meaning internet e-commerce sales were actually down, but overall sales from the company were up 7% year over year. Pretty good, right? Well, again, not bad, but when you're up 7% in a year where inflation is averaged 75 that's a net neutral to a net slightly negative, guys. Then you flip over and look at Costco's valuation. And again, I've said, guys, valuations are a part of this problem. Why? Because I think it's virtually impossible for most, for most. Now, there's always going to be outliers and exceptions. But I think it's virtually impossible to see significant earnings growth or earnings growth at all next year. Could I be wrong? Yes, I could be. I, I just don't see it in the math. And... Then you look at Costco, now a retailer, and I think Costco is one of the best run companies in the world, so this is not a shot at Costco at all. The other thing I'll tell you is that full disclosure, guys, I want Costco to fall because I want a shot at buying it because I sold it too cheap. Um, not too cheap historically. This is about the level I think where we sold it. Maybe it was around four. Anyway, it was too early. And, you know, I... It's, I think, I, I mean, at the time I thought I sold it for the right reasons, but, you know, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger would probably say that's why you got to take a longer term approach, right? Um, <clears throat> but when you look at Costco, a retailer, and you look at their earnings mix, you know, how they get their earnings, and you look at the growth rate that they've really been averaging for quite some time has been sort of between like 10 to 14%. And then you look at their multiple, their price to earnings ratio being around 35. Now, it's just been as high as 46, so it has pulled back. But I, it's not cheap. And watching that thing rally today, today's Friday again, watching it rally 7% based on that news, it just tells me, it leads me to believe that this market isn't getting it. Right? You're, think about that. You're rallying a retailer because their growth rate on a nominal basis is slowing down markedly. And on an inflation-adjusted basis, their fourth quarter was down over last year's. So you're expanding the multiple in that, in that environment. Meanwhile, virtually all of their costs are going up. And all of their consumers are asked to bear the brunt of those costs. Now, I, this isn't a Boeing, right? I'm not sitting there to sell Costco. I will also admit that I'm biased because I want it to go down because I want to get another crack at it at a lower level. And I still believe that we're going to. But this is what I, this is what I think is so tough about this market is that I think it's just going to take a lot of patience. And in my opinion, that disconnect is still pretty big. Um, let's see. And, and like I said, valuations to me are still living in the past. And if you just hear it, if you just listen to people talk, market commentators, you know, fill in the gap, Kramer, CNBC, whatever the case is, <clears throat> you know, pick your poison. Um, you hear them talking about and referencing the last, and you look at them and go, guys, this environment is nothing like the last 15 years. What's happened in the last 15 years doesn't apply. The macro environment could not be different. It's inflationary. We've been deflationary for the last 15 years. We're operating at a Fed funds rate at four and a half. We were operating at zero. We were operating under quantitative easing. Now we're under operating under quantitative tightening. I, the backdrop couldn't be more different. And it, you still see this unwillingness for Wall Street or for the investors in general to let go, to sit there and go, hey, I got to adjust my thinking. And what I will tell you is on a mathematical basis, doesn't mean it can't go higher. I'll just say that these valuations based on interest rates, interest rate trajectory, inflation, earnings trajectory, uh, leading economic indicators, it's still expensive. It really is. And I just don't see any way around the fact that we're going lower. 
But I don't think we're, but I, I will reiterate, I don't think we're on the edge of a precipice. I actually think that this sideways action that we've experienced with a, with a slight downward bias, I think that's the trend. I mean, it is the trend. There's no question about the fact that that's the trend. Now, will it last? I think so. Why? Because you, that's the other thing. You still see the bear bull debate. Oh, the market's going to go up. Oh, the market's going to go down. Everybody's positioning for these large moves, which on the face of it makes sense. Right? It's like, well, A, it's weird they're going to explode higher or we're going way lower. Um, I actually think the opposite. I, I, or, or I don't think either one of those. I actually think that the path of least resistance for the market is to continue this sideways grind with a slight, slight downward bias. Now, the advantage we have with that is that we're not far from figuring out if I'm correct. Meaning... You're seeing these indexes, once again, pushing up to the higher end of their ranges that they've been in, these downtrends. If they break those trends, then you got to reassess. But up until this point, they haven't. So I still see, in my opinion, the mistake going on is everybody trying to predict where things are going, and to a certain extent, we are too. But I think the right place to do, the right thing to do at this point, and I'm not just speaking my book, is just to manage risk. When we get to the lower edges or the lower half of those levels, you know, take some profits on the shorts. When you get to the higher end of those, those, that downtrend that we're in, taking some, taking some, uh, <clears throat> adding some more shorts, taking some profits on the longs, depending on how you look at it. But uh, I just think that I, I, I just don't see us on the verge of having clarity one way or the other to justify a big move up from here. I think what is likely is a more a big move down, but I have very little conviction in that as well. And again, we'll get into more of that. But the other one that I'm looking at, disconnects. What I want to see for a market bottom, guys, is people throwing in the towel. I want to see things get rational. I want to believe I want to see evidence that the market is operating off of true price discovery and things that make sense and that the last of the nonsense has been built out of it. Well, it, I take a quick market scan and I see one of the best performing sectors over this year has been housing. DR Horton is, is what, 12, 13% away from its all time high. The backdrop in real estate couldn't be any worse. What is it pricing in? That stock's, in my opinion, pricing in Nirvana. It's pricing in lower commodity costs, slow down in inflation, rates coming back in, and no recession. That's not an impossible scenario, but sweet Moses is that pricing in a perfect 10 of a landing, right? So what that stock is pricing in is the threading of the needle. I think that is the least likely outcome. Now, not saying that things are going to be horrible. I just don't think you're in a position with metrics that support that type of view, right? I just think that's kind of an unrealistic take. Uh, Tesla. Now, Tesla, on the other hand, I think is reflecting some... Some reality. And guys, I will go back to this. I've heard so many people sit there and go, oh, Tesla's getting killed. Tesla's not getting killed. Tesla is migrating back to a valuation that makes sense considering the massive challenges they're up against, the massive competition that's coming online, the increase in costs, the fact that they're having to lower prices around the world to deal with slowing demand. Right? This is why valuation matters. Everybody's talking about, well, Musk is the reason. No, Musk isn't the reason. This was a stock, this was a balloon looking for a needle. Why do I say that? Because it's an automobile manufacturer that was trading at 120 times profit. No, at the top, I think it was even more than that. It was like 800 times profit. This thing was an automobile manufacturer trading at 30 times revenue. That's insane. And everybody's like, oh, it's been killed. It's still worth more than GM, Ford, (coughs) and several other manufacturers put together. Valuation matters, guys. You may not believe in it, but it believes in you. I can promise you that. And how long were we saying this? Right? I can't tell you when it matters, but I can just tell you it's going to. And listening to all these people, Musk is torpedoed. No, it, you're kidding. It, they made the classic mistake of thinking the high water mark on a stock was its intrinsic value. It's not. 
It was a bubble stock for God's sake. How do you know that when you see all these people bragging about the fact that Tesla's the only stock they own and it's the only stock they'll ever going to know? That's ridiculous. Right? Kathy Wood talked a lot about her. How's she doing? New lows. New lows on the year. That just, talk about a bloodbath. Guys, nonsensical investing always ruins you. Always. Might be fun for a while, but it'll get you. And FOMO, the fear of missing out, is one of the most dangerous things we can do as investors. Got to be patient and let it come to us. Anyway, we're, we're your guys. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hi, this is Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer of Bulwark Capital Management and someone who's lucky enough to call myself a good friend of Dory Monson. Um, I've tried to do this about 12 times now. And uh, I'd just like to make this message mostly to his dedicated listeners and his family. As good as you thought he was, he was better. As patient and loyal as you probably thought he was, he was more. He is one of the very few people in my life who have had such an outsized impact over such a relatively short period of time and who chose to believe in me uh, and what I was doing. And that belief has made such an impact, not just on me and my business, but also the lives of my employees and my family. I cannot tell you how much you'll be missed. I cannot thank you enough for your faith and loyalty. Godspeed on your future endeavors, my friend, and you will be missed. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, want to squeeze this in. I think we're a little tight on time here. I got to figure, yeah, 2030. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so I want to talk about the big market disconnect, in my opinion. And it's, it's coming from very smart people on both sides of the argument. And I'll kind of give you what I think for what it's worth. And I, and I will say this. There are people smarter than I am on both sides of the argument. So there are bulls that are smarter than I am. And there are pairs that are smarter. So I may be better off just adopting one of their views. But um, <clears throat> that being said, I think you guys know I'm a pretty independent person. And I'm going to take my own look at it. So first on the bull side, was homesick the last couple of days, working from home. And spent a lot of time just digging into things, reading different stuff that people are putting out that I respect. And focusing on the bull side of the argument. Now, why would I be focused on the bull side of the argument? Like I tell you guys all the time, I am more in the bearish camp, but not super bearish in terms of a big amplitude move to the downside. I think that's possible. But I think the the likelihood from where we're sitting is more of a sideways grind with a downward bias, like I was saying earlier in the show. So spent a lot of time focusing on the the, uh, bullish argument. And to a person, and this doesn't mean they're wrong, just my observation, to a person, all of them were posting very intriguing and very compelling historical charts and historical in, past, the things that look similar in terms of data and all this other kind of stuff. And the issue that I have with that is that there's nothing historically normal about the environment we're in. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to play out the way it has before. It just means that those historical arguments and those historical comps, I I just don't think that they're worth a whole lot. Because the bad, I'll give you an instance of what I mean. So looking at several charts, looking at um, uh, labor numbers, looking at uh, market movements, and looking at timing of these things and yield curve inversion and all this kind of stuff. And guys saying that I think the yield curve might be giving us a false signal for the first time ever, which, to be fair, I am sympathetic to that argument. Why? Because rates have been manipulated so much. I don't I do not trust signals from things like interest rate curves the way that I would in the past. 
But we don't know where, like no other time in history, rates are where central banks want them to be. I think that's really one of the only things they're telling us. Right, where in the past, I think rates gave you, you know, a very good indication of where markets were going, where money was flowing. It, it doesn't do that now. Right, rates are where they are because that's where central banks think they need to be based on them generating the outcomes that they want. Right, so... I think everybody clinging to this data is really looking at it in the wrong mind frame. In the past, a lot of those rate movements were more predicated on markets, right? On demand, on supply and demand. Now, they're a political utility, essentially. So this is why I don't think you can trust it. I also don't think that you can trust, you know, people are talking about, look, we're not in recession now and we're not going to be Till at least the fourth quarter of next year because this is how long things typically take. They're like, you know, when you see numbers like this, it typically takes six to nine months for this job, these jobs to start waning off. Again, I think it's a useless indicator. Why? Because at no other point in time has the government removed an inflow of liquidity, i.e. the stimulus, in as violent and quick a way as they have this time. Right? So, Don't just talk to me about consumer balance sheets and how healthy the consumer is and how this stuff. You you also, I still don't hear anybody factoring in the impact of removing stimulus and jacking rates at the same time. I also think that those people, one of the things I noticed with the bulls is they are all myopically hinging their bullish predicaments or predictions rather on the labor market. Okay, What about, let's bring in historical comps from the real estate market. Let's bring in historical comps from the car, from car sales, used cars. Now, again, I think we need to be careful with those things because this is not a normal environment. My whole point is every argument I see for the bulls is selective in the sense that it's pushing out a lot of other historical comps that say the exact opposite. Same is to be said for the bears. We're on the precipice of an 0809 collapse. Well, first of all, in 08 or in 09, the Fed didn't think there was a problem. They absolutely know there is one now, so they're watching closely. Second of all, they got a big stack of chips to throw at this thing if that recessionary impact comes. Or, or, I mean, I I think that we're in a recession. That's my belief. I think it's all semantics. I've said that over and over. Um, But if that becomes apparent and you really start seeing those recessionary impacts like higher unemployment rates... The Fed's got a loaded clip, man. They got a lot of ammo to throw at this thing, right? They can also ramp up quantitative easing. Now, we can get in a debate about how much impact those things have. But I'm just telling you, as of right now, imagine if the Fed came out and announced they were cutting rates 250 basis points, the market would go ballistic. Now, they're not going to cut rates that fast, that big. But I'm just saying if they did, the market would go ballistic. Uh, Mortgage rates would probably drop pretty precipitously. And you'd watch the reignition of the housing uh, market. bubble, right? Or, or housing prices start running away again. So I just think everybody is reaching. And then you see it today. I mean, it's not a huge rally, but a rally happening based on, oh, inflation's easing. Guys, that's not, that's inflation easing, economy slowing. I mean, it's that simple. So I just think we need to be really careful, guys. I think we need to be really careful about who we're listening to and what we're looking at. And going back to the last show we did, eye discipline, right? What are we watching? Keeping our eyes, a little hiccup there, keeping our eyes on our keys as opposed to market prognosticators because I nor anybody else know exactly which way this is going. I just think it's pretty easy at this point. You play the trend until it breaks from the trend. And right now we're still on the trend. And right now, all the economic data we're looking at points to increasing slowdowns. Uh, we've long said we didn't think job losses would start in earnest until the first and second quarter. So we'll know quickly if we're wrong. And if we're wrong at that point, I think the pivot is going to be pretty easy at that point. I think it is to push harder into inflationary assets. And that's the real issue I see is that if, if you know, the, again, market is still operating, in my opinion, on uh, uh, the past cycle type of psychology, 
right? That, oh, bad economic news is good because the Fed's going to cut rates. No, the Fed's not going to cut rates until something bad happens, right? If inflation continues to slow and the economy continues to slow and job losses start accumulating, that's not going to precipitate an immediate pivot and cut, guys. That's what they're trying to do. And I just, I still think this disconnect between the Fed does not want to run rates to zero. That's not their goal. They don't want to get stuck at zero again. They've said that. It's not accommodative. It also gives them no ammunition to throw at markets when an inevitable recession does occur if this recession doesn't fully materialize. So anyway, as always, guys, if you want that type of thinking and you want to be in a portfolio where you get one of the worst years since 1970, when you look at all asset classes and our clients are just, you know, four or 5% down in the year, just a little bump in the road. Had a great year the year before. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Guys, it's about risk management. And that's going to be the key going forward because this ain't ending anytime soon. I think we're looking at some crazy years ahead of us because of these inflationary pressures, energy, all the things that we know, massive debt loads. This isn't going to be easy. And everybody's got this attitude of, oh, we got to hop on the next bull run when it starts. I just don't see it that way. Could be wrong. Now, if we're wrong, we're going to make money. If we're right, we're going to save retirements. This isn't, we don't need to make an all or, all or nothing bet one way or the other. It's about risk management. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, boardcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Stick with, stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. Hi, this is Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer of Bulwark Capital Management, and someone who's lucky enough to call myself a good friend of Dory Monson. Um, <clears throat> I've tried to do this about 12 times now. And uh, I'd just like to make this message mostly to his dedicated listeners and his family. As good as you thought he was, he was better. As patient and loyal as you probably thought he was, he was more. He is one of the very few people in my life who have had such an outsized impact over such a relatively short period of time and who chose to believe in me uh, and what I was doing. And that belief has made such an impact, not just on me and my business, but all the, also the lives of my employees and my family. I cannot tell you how much you'll be missed. I cannot thank you enough for your faith and loyalty. Godspeed on your future endeavors, my friend, and you will be missed. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back Thank you for sticking with us. Okay, just to finish up here, only have a few minutes <clears throat> remaining. Um, but just to finish up here and reiterate this, I want to go through a couple different notes J- just to really pound this thing home. Okay, market rallies on economic weakness, believing that that will create a Fed pivot and beginning to cut. But the reason the Fed raised in the first place was to create exactly that economic weakness. And this is one of the big, if your belief or if you're investing in the belief that the Fed's going to get back in the game, you should actually be bearish because I think the only thing that gets them back in the game is really nasty economic outcomes. If things just continue to kind of peter out over time and slow and nonviolently get worse and worse, right? That means rates will be still be high. Consumer demand will be falling. Inflation will be lightning. Earnings will be lower. Stocks should continue to drift lower. That's exactly what they're trying to do and why people think that when that occurs, it's going to automatically result in the Fed pulling off the gas pedal. They're not going to. That's what they're trying to get to happen. And I don't think, if anything, I think that the fear, (coughs) pardon me, I think the fear should be to increasing economic activity because then the fed right if you see a reignition of inflation the fed's going to have to continue to hike guys when you have this much debt in the system you have this much lag in the system in terms of 
right weight that companies are pulling behind them. Here's the other thing. People are talking about companies have never been so healthy when you compare debt to free cash flow. Okay, what if you take the top five companies out of the index, then run the numbers? They look way different. You've got no other time where companies packing as little debt load compared to their profitability as these big tech companies. And they're great companies, right? I mean, they're unbelievable money-making machines. But I think that's really abstracting. I think it's taking away from how many companies out there. And shoot, I could just go down the charts. How many companies out there that especially at higher rates, unless you see a dramatic pullback in rates over the next two years, that those companies are facing a massive uphill slog. They're going to have to refinance debt at higher levels, which means lower cash flows. They're paying higher labor costs at all times, higher input costs. I just think everybody's looking at the wrong direction. And I, I, I honestly think that it's going to be very tough to sow the seeds of the next bull market until you see significant, more significant or, or economic weakness and further market drops. And if that's not what you have, I think it's going to be tough. Most importantly, we all know there's the specter out there of really bad things happening and risk management is of the utmost importance, meaning you need to be okay regardless of what happens. If you have another year this year like you did last year, is your retirement still intact? For most of you, probably not. You'd be looking at 40 to 50% portfolio losses. And you'd still be looking at a market that was trading at its historical or above historical valuations. I, I just, this idea that the worst is over and we've made it through the storm, it's not. You're going to need risk management going forward, guys. You're going to need people at the helm that know what they're doing, that know when, hey, we need to take the risk of not making quite as much to ensure the fact that we're not going to get drilled. Now, to this point, we've been making more because of that approach, and I think that that will continue. But so many of us are so, I want to make the move that's going to make me money. Well, sometimes the move that makes you the most money is not getting killed. Okay, if that interests you, call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, boardcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Have a wonderful weekend, and all, another goodbye to my dear friend, Dory Monson. Godspeed, my friend, and hope to see you soon. God bless you all. We'll be back next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.